Hello, Christian Buddhist Bar listeners. This is Jamal here. Um, look, is, I, I have to come in and do another apology. I've done one of these previously, but I have to I have to jump in and do another one here. The episode you're about to hear does not contain a joke. Um, and look, it was really remiss of me. I, I only just realised this. I know, right? I didn't miss it at all. I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I had it up on my computer. I was ready to say it, and I was just caught, so caught up in the conversation that we missed the joke. So apologies for that. So if you hang around to the end of the episode, we'll stick the joke in after the final music. Sounds good. Christian y Buddhist. Uh, oh, fuck, my Spanish has gone real bad. I, I, I entro en el bar. <laughs> Mi nombre es Jamal. Estoy un Buddhist. Ich bin Jakob. Uh, ich bin ein Christian. Probably Christian. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our. My joint is not so good. It's fuchtbar. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I forgot the word for walk in Spanish, which is embarrassing. Um, welcome to our multilingual Christian Buddhist Baha podcast. How are you going? Well, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Doing all right. How about you, Jamal? I'm getting a bit tired, actually. Yes. But not persecuted, so that's nice. Well, the, the, that is At least good. not yet. Uh, not I don't yet. know where this podcast is going. Just you wait. Um, no, my, my my attempt at uh, multilingualism is because we are talking about... Um, I oh, guess there was global. actually a point. There, there was. <laughs> I, I, I was trying... So the point was, I, I thought, oh, how great would it be if I could do the intro in Mandarin? And then I realized I couldn't. So then I jumped to like the only language I thought I could do the intro in. Spanish, but, Mandarin. But actually, I haven't spoken Spanish for five years and I've kind of forgot. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, we uh, this, is, this is an article today about Christians in China. Um, so uh, by the long bow of my very weird mind, it has arrived at me trying to do an intro in Spanish. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, um, so, yeah, this is about Christians in China. It's from Christianity Today, and the article is titled Why Theologians Aren't As Excited About Chinese Christianity's Growth as Sociologists. Um, are you, as a theologian, excited about Chinese Christianity's growth? Yes and no. And I, th- I think the point that the article is is getting to is that there's been occasionally this view that China is inevitably going to become a majority Christian country. And isn't that going to be like you know, this this wonderful thing? And, and that's what I think the article is cautioning against um, and, and talking a bit about the way that Christianity and culture kind of come together. But I, I'm encouraged by the... Chinese church so far as I understand it or at least parts of it um, and the and the faithfulness of it uh, and I think there's there's aspects of the the Chinese church gets itself into problems because the Chinese Communist Party insist on being God basically um, and Chinese Christians at least some of them go well no you're not um, and, and then the Chinese Communist Party goes, well, yes, we are, and we've got guns and prisons and whatever else. And so I, I see in China it being played out in 
kind of in real time the the fact that you know god is a higher allegiance than human institutions in a way that we don't really have to do in the west um but also the the consequences of that theology um and so i'm 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 encouraged by the faithfulness that Mm. i see in reports out of china as as much as i'm sure there are also unfaithful responses as there have been to persecutions of christians throughout the years Mm. so maybe we should take a step back and talk about how and why china is becoming so christian um so my understanding is that christianity is on the the massive up and ups in china it's a very very rapidly growing religion um i think i heard specifically methodist christianity is probably the most popular branch is that right yeah i've I've definitely heard that Mm. yeah Yeah. it's really difficult to tell yeah because the, the, the china doesn't collect good figures on religion because it's officially an atheist mm. country right for amongst other reasons yeah yeah um so i'm interested so i, I have a theory as to why christianity is growing in china but i'm interested to hear your thoughts on it because i think they're probably much more informed than my than my random no, i want to hear your theory first <laughs> uh, my theory is that at least there is china is a fruitful ground for christianity for the same reason that the west is a fruitful ground for buddhism So, um, which is that the fundamentals of the religion suit the dominant sociological and cultural narratives of those places. Um, So in the West, uh, we are fundamentally an individualist society. And I think Buddhism has a lot of emphasis on individual responsibility and individual as the kind of, you know, your own experience of things telling you and teaching you enlightenment and you know yes the buddha is kind of holy but there's buddha's not a god it's not someone else telling you what to do and and yeah the focus is on um on on the self on on understanding Mm -hmm. the self reflecting on the self which is very tied in with western values um in china um you have kind of the opposite a fundamentally communalist society a society that values um things like values the state over the individual or more historically values the family over the individual. Um, and that those values are quite compatible with Christianity, that Christianity values the church and God over the individual and that, you know, your relationship with God is dependent on and built on your relationship with the community of God you know, yes, there's an individual connection there, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not the core of it and that the, the church and the community is actually much more important. Um, and I think that, that that is quite compatible with how lots of Chinese people uh, are in the world and the, the kind of society that they grew up in and, and the ways that they probably inherently think based on that social upbringing. It's interesting that you said the, um, the kind of the state over the individual, but then the actually the family being more important than the individual because that's um you know christian language in a bunch of ways because because in part the early church is born into a culture where families matter but then it redefines what the family is right and all of a sudden your family is no longer your biological family but it's the church because there does seem to be at least within uh, the protestant church broadly um this sense of Yes, the family of the church is is more important than the individual, but it's also more important than the state. 
and and that's what gets me interested i guess um we've, we've got another article which we might throw up in, with this one as well from the guardian from a couple of years ago um about a, a kind of underground church that uh, whose pastor was arrested and and so on and all the rest of it be, because the communist party sees it as a threat because it is a threat be, I, and, and i can see how if you're a Chinese person who is dissatisfied with the way things are going under the CCP or you're, you're getting a raw deal out of it for whatever reason, I can see why the church would be attractive. Um, and and especially with what we seem to be seeing under President Xi at the moment, with a greater concentration in the the hands of the state like kind of the reverse of trends that have been happening for 30 40 years arguably um that there's a a certain kind of freedom in having some other affiliation in what is at least portrayed as a society where those f- freedoms certainly at an individual level don't don't hold mm. yeah I, I can see that i don't know i it's um yeah and yeah, and and there's an interesting thing there about kind of, you know, when, when pressure is put on a group, how do you respond to that? And we don't really experience that in the West. But I, I do wonder if if serious, like actual persecution type pressure was put on the church here, whether it would hold up or whether it would fragmentize into a whole bunch of individuals for kind of the reasons that you were saying before of this individual collective so, thing, whereas in China, the the group seems to hold. Yeah, 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 and and I think that's, and maybe it's I, I think generally with persecution and pressure, groups hold together. I, I think you know a comparator would be you know what's it like for the for the Islamic faith in Australia, mm-hmm. right? It's a persecuted minority, and you know how yeah, I think you often see mosques. It's interesting. Would you say persecuted? That's interesting. I, I would say there's definitely structural persecution. I'm, I'm not sure there's sure. like the level yeah, of okay. you know people out in the streets locking Muslims up, but I think there's definitely structural persecution going on. Yeah, and I think in the face of that, you see uh, mosques band together. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think you see communities band together. I, I think traditionally, you know, unless the movements are, you know have already have fractures that are you know irreparable i think historically you see when when groups get persecuted they tend to coalesce right it's, it's you know because you have you, know, you stop all the infighting when you have outfighting to do right yes you, know, you can kind of work that way um I, i'm interested to know like, I, I actually don't know this uh what this is but like in what ways are chinese christians getting persecuted so the the Guardian article, which we will put in the, the notes for this, kind of describes the closure of the church, of a church uh, and the arrest of the pastors. Um, there have been documented cases of um, freedom of association being not allowed in the in the same way as um, some bikey organisations or environmental movements in New South Wales have been restricted recently like so the the government saying that you can't you can't talk to each other um sales of bibles are controlled by the state uh, not, 
Is the church a criminal organization in China? It depends which church. Okay. Um, so there are official churches and there are unofficial churches. And I, I think, I don't know the details, there was some agreement struck between the Vatican and the Chinese government about the existence of the Catholic Church within China, which I think involved some concessions on both sides, like something like having a you know a photo of of Mao or of Xi next to the Pope in the Catholic Church, you know, that kind of thing. So there there are official churches that are tolerated, there, and then there are unofficial churches which may or may not be technically legal that are tolerated until they're not. So and the ones that are tolerated, are they persecuted at all? Um, they may be in in the similar sense to how you were describing Muslims in Australia, for instance. Yeah. Um, but the the ones that are the, the unofficial churches can be subject to like essentially like political what what you'd say in another context was you know um, political discrimination and yeah, yeah. which is it's interesting right because my initial reaction to that as a complete relativist is like I don't know it makes sense for the CCP to persecute unofficial churches because we persecute bikey gangs like they're both criminal organizations like we have different values and like what and why we think they're criminal organizations is rooted in different oh, from things. the CCP's perspective this makes total but sense yeah like, like it, yeah. From, from the chinese state perspective i you know yes we, we we don't yeah in the same way that the australian government does doesn't want bikey gangs around that might you know cause harm to people the chinese state i'm sure sees unofficial churches as causing harm to people and so doesn't want them around like i it, yep. i i it seems and, and it seems very western centric to label that kind of extreme persecution it, it's not the uyghurs right like there's a different thing that's going on there right like how is it not like like as in people aren't being killed i get that there's a diff that I, th- I think that's a that's enough isn't it to say that like if a group is just being shut down and not killed versus being killed that, that that's a different scale well, but, of but what's but what's happening with the uyghurs right is the systemic elimination of a culture and an identity um and isn't what happens when you you know maybe i'm coming at this from a western perspective but when you when you limit people's religious freedom what you're actually doing is limiting their cultural expression and you're defining acceptable types of identity sure but i think the method in which you eliminate that cultural expression is pretty important sure i think if you do it by jailing people and torturing people and killing people, it's very different to if you do it by just saying, hey, sorry, you can't have a church here. Well, and but they're certainly jailing people as part of that. Or jailing people if people then continue to want to have their church after they've said, no, you can't have the church here. Yeah, Torturing I, I, and killing and re-education camps like what's happening in um, Xijing, like that, sure, yeah. that's different. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that, that's my point, right? That it's like, I, you know, we, we can argue the merits or not merits of the decision to... Um, limit the movements and uh you know limit the the limit the church in china by certain amounts right but i think it's it seems a little bit of a stretch particularly in a country where there are legitimate human rights issues that are being talked about and that are 
you know, potentially being committed, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to try and use the term persecution and try and lump yourselves in with that. Like that, that, that feels a bit much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. We could, we could talk about the church in Iran at some future point then. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Not, it, not saying that the Christian church is not persecuted <laughs> elsewhere. I just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but it's an interesting question of like, well, what is persecution, right? Be- because like, it's, if you were in, in Australia, if you were told, well, no, your church can't meet and you're going to get locked up if you try, would we not consider that? But like, sure, you're not being sent to Manus or Nauru, but I mean, I, I think we, but I think we would consider that persecution. But that's only because we have a Western value that says freedom of association and freedom of religion is really important. I think I think that's a very Western centric view to hold, which partly means that it's a, a just a to fully you know steal the table. Um, but like, which if it's a Western view, then it's at, at the very least influenced by Christian thought, correct? Um, in, in which case it's kind of like, well, well, Christians get to choose what persecution is or isn't, yeah. which, is, which is actually really interesting, right? Because like you, you, I, I, can fully, I can fully accept a Muslim person feeling like they're persecuted or a second-class citizen or something like that in Australia because of their faith. I, I, I can absolutely see how you would feel that. But I also know that in a lot of Muslim-majority countries around the world, if you are not a Muslim you are absolutely a second-class citizen and you have very limited rights and everything else in a way that Christian countries have have done from time to time, but there's an implicitly Christian critique of doing that. Yeah, and I, 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 an interesting version of this is, I think, um, how some mostly Christian Anglo people in Australia feel upset by the existence of halal things that it's like and 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 it's like this thing where it's like you know that that it's like because of the christian values it's like well that i should be free to do whatever i want and actually i feel upset by the fact that there are some people who are by choice choosing to not be free to do whatever they want you know they're like oh the fact that the fact that i have halal meat on my shelf or or, 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 it's, or it's, even, it's actually like the french example of the yeah. issues with the um with the, the burka yeah that's the one yeah 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 like exactly right. the fact that you're choosing to be on a beach fully covered is you know, somehow offensive to my sensibilities, and yeah, you know, and the state is going to prevent you. The state is going to force you to go to go more naked than you want but, to. But be. there's an interesting, real thing here about persecution, right? Which I think certainly the the political right across the West has been a, a bit of a reaction to, which is this this sense that kind of rights and freedoms and whatever are a zero-sum game and that if if somebody else has a bit more freedom to, to, for instance, you know, get the halal food that they want, that then I am losing something because of that. We, we see it expressed in other ways as well, right? Be, because women are able to get better jobs now than women could get 50 years ago, that this is somehow discriminating against men. Yeah. Like, sorry, no, it's not. But that I I can understand how you have a feeling of persecution and a feel well like I I would not describe it as persecution but I can understand how you have the feeling that you're being discriminated against from that and then you 
you react to that. But what we're talking about with persecution here is a whole different kettle of fish. Just before we move on, I find the halal example really hilarious because, you know, the only reason I can possibly think of for a Christian to not want to eat halal food. So let's just say you walk into a butcher's and they only have halal meat and the Christian goes, oh my God, I... Oh, okay, I can't have halal food. That's, you know, Muslim, blah, blah, blah. And, yep. like, do they not realize that because Christianity has no limitations on what meat you can eat, the literal only reason you would have a problem with halal food is if, is if you believed it was actually holy and, like, if you believed it was actually blessed by Allah. And it's like, if you don't believe in Allah, if you don't believe in the Muslim faith, then it's just meat to you. It's just meat that was killed so, in a certain way. Like, like... How is that a problem unless you actually believe that it's it's actually something important? So this is fascinating. Listeners, you're going to have to tolerate a tangent because this is actually an issue that pops up a couple of times in the New Testament because in the ancient Greek world, if a lot of the meat that was sold in the market was meat that had been slaughtered to Zeus or to you know Diana or whoever and blessed by that God. And Christians were like, what do we do with this? Can we eat it or can't we eat it? And um, Paul, who we've got on this, we might have some others as well, but Paul, Paul is the main one. It's like, whatever, you can eat it because, guys, Zeus doesn't really exist. Yeah. Like, you know, so so whatever, eat it. But if you feel like you can't eat it, that's actually okay. I get it because you've lived for, you know, 30, 40 years you know, believing that if something's sacrificed to Zeus, that that actually matters and it means something. And I get that you're not able to just switch off that mental, you know, at, at, at the flick of a switch. So if somebody else is worried about the meat being sacrificed to Zeus or whoever, then don't eat it. And that's and and that's okay. That like that's why Paul ends, which is what he's doing is he's doing it out of love for the person who still can't get over the fact that it's. A, but but you're absolutely right. Of like, well, so they sacrificed it in the name of Allah. Mm, yep. Is, yeah. is 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 Jesus Jesus or is Allah Allah? Like you know, go work it out. But I can absolutely see how if you came from an Islamic background where that had been your whole life, that that would be to to use a word triggering yeah. for you, and you would not want to do that. Right. So so according yeah. to Paul. The only people who can complain about having to eat halal food are people that used to be Muslims and are now no longer Muslims. There's an argument to be made, seeing as you pushed me on this, there's an argument to be made that if you're uncomfortable with halal food being having been sacrificed in the name of Allah, then you've kind of got a pass to not eat halal food. However... In in contemporary Australia, it's not difficult to find non-halal food. Well, also, so you're fine. Just go by well, the also, non-halal food. That, that to me like, sounds like Paul is saying you're allowed to not eat halal food, but it's it's not like you have to not eat halal food. Like there's no commandment to not no, eat halal correct. food. No, well, correct. What he's saying is if you're uncomfortable eating, in, like, you know, yeah. if you're uncomfortable eating halal food, don't eat halal food and you shouldn't force someone who's uncomfortable with eating halal yeah. food to eat halal food even though you know it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like so so it's not a it, it's not about your right yeah. to not have halal food in front of you in the supermarket. How did we get on to that? Oh man. Anyway, we, we've gone off topic. Um I'm interested to hear your thoughts on I guess the theological side of this, right? So like so this article makes the point that um it's not inherently a good thing um, theologically, 
for the kind of the growth of Chinese Christianity. But, um, you know, I, I guess what is your thought about that? Like, you know, I, they talk a bit about the Christian nation here and about like these kind of concepts of like, you know, what it is to go mainstream with the church and whatever else. But yeah, I guess I'm interested in your thoughts about, about that transition and, and, and what, what theologically you feel is the argument for and against uh, why it might be good or not for, for China to become more Christian. Yeah, so so where the the author of this piece, um, who's a theologian, a Chinese theologian, I think um, themselves, um, argues is that people see this. Um, he, he cites the the Telegraph, for instance, in twenty fourteen, on like China is on track to become this big Christian nation, and that that shows that Christianity is kind of going to continue to have global importance even as it declines in the West. Um, and he's arguing that that's, you know, basically not a good thing, like necessarily. Like even if China does become this big majority Christian country, if having a Christendom Europe was not necessarily a good thing for the flourishing of of actual discipleship and people properly following Jesus and you just wind up with lots of nominal Christians, um, then what's to say that you wouldn't see essentially the same thing? Right. So it's a quality over quantity argument. It, it's it's a bit of that. And it's also that um, we, we shouldn't look at what's happening in China and go, oh, look, Christianity is going to be triumphant. But it, but it is to say that if Christianity does become bigger and bigger in China, that's going to have major implications for the Chinese state um, and how the country runs, which, which I would argue you're kind of seeing already in the persecutions. Because the, So the, the biggest persecutions of Christianity in the Roman Empire happened like within 50 years of the Roman Empire becoming Christian, right? And the, um, the conversion of... Um, uh, what's his name? Constantine. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, see, this is interesting to me, right? Because I think there is a there is a presumed argument here that when you hear a lot, are kind of the whole save the most souls kind of thing, you know. So, like, I mean, a is mm. that not true? And I guess b in in a world in which you are trying to save as many souls as possible, like what, who saves the souls? God, I would assume, yeah. right? But but it isn't there being more people who know about and kind of can connect with God in some way, even if it's imperfect? Isn't that a better way of saving souls, or a more likely chance you're going to save souls? Well, and like I, I don't I don't think he's arguing that the um, that China, for instance, becoming a majority Christian country is a bad thing necessarily. He's just saying we shouldn't draw easy conclusions from that. We shouldn't say that um, the rise of the church in China is a sign that Christianity will be a dominant cultural force in the back half of the 21st century. And he's also not saying that we should assume that China, China becoming a majority Christian country is going to be good for the church in China. Like, it, is it is it good to have... Well, see, this is the question, right? Like, is, is it good to have more Christians? Yeah, sure. But is it good to have a society in which there are all kinds of you know, cultural and social benefits from being a Christian that encourage you to say you're a Christian without ever actually really being a Christian and without interrogating your faith and without 
kind of really wrestling with, well, what does it mean to have a relationship with God rather than just to say, yes, I'm a Christian or Anglican or Catholic or whatever. Um, there, there's an interesting argument in the UK, a, a suggestion, and it was only a suggestion um, that I read in a book several years ago now, um, that what if the number of Christians, in inverted commas, in the, the UK hasn't changed over the last century? It's just now there's a lot fewer people in churches. Mm. Um, I think there's all sorts of issues with that because I, I suspect that people who have a kind of nominal faith in inverted commas like that have more than they're sometimes given credit for. And I think, I think this author is actually coming from it from a particularly particular perspective that has a particular definition of of what a real Christian is, which I yeah. might not agree with. Yeah, and I think I think maybe this is a point you might agree with here, but I just was pulling out one bit because I, I think he does make the point that actually being well, he, he does. He says a Christianized society is an untenable concept and an undesirable reality. Mm-hmm. Right? He says he doesn't he doesn't want there to be a Christian dominant society. Um, history has told us that a society dominated by a Christian majority is bound to be a nominal Christian society that only pays lip service to gospel values or distorts them for its own advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I think he's making a fair point about structural state Christianity and, and all that. But I mean, I don't know, like to me, to me, if God is trying to save as many people as possible, like I, you know, I, I, I guess again, again, we mentioned this, I think last episode about the utilitarianism of China, where's the utilitarianism of God, right? Is, is it better for God to have a few very good Christians, quote unquote, <laughs> or is it better for God to have a lot of not as good Christians? Well, that's a great question. It goes to cans that we really don't have time to open now. Maybe jot it down. We'll do this in a future mm. episode, but like the, the, I, I don't know that God is utilitarian in that way, actually, because like if, if the best way to save as many people as possible, if, that, if we assume that that's what God's objective is, and again, I'd question that as an assumption, then like isn't the best way to actually like set up some kind of hierarchical structure and government and what have you to, to get more people to being Christian and so on. And, and it just, it strikes me that that actually looks like something more like the career of the prophet Muhammad than it does the career of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, or certainly the career of Jesus results in a much slower burn so, all right, so here's an interesting one then. So, so you're saying you don't necessarily believe that God is utilitarian, that God wants people. Who- I, I don't. I don't think that God runs by an ends justifies the means sure. model. Okay. So yep. I'm interested then because this author I think clearly does right. I think this. Uh, sorry, this author, this author clearly doesn't. Rather. Right. Yep. Yeah. This author. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we're in furious agreement on that at least. Yes. Good um, on you, Kevin. Kevin <laughs> T C E Yao. Is that how you say it? Yao, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I'd be interested to know if the Chinese church is utilitarian, given, again, the cultural utilitarian influences it exists under, right? So Kevin here is clearly not believing in that and maybe pr- potentially reacting to that mm-hmm. and reacting against that as, as a response. But, you know... I, I, I wonder if the mentality of the Chinese church is one of kind of um, 
evangelism, right? And, and again, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, that's, yeah. that's the word that I think has evaded me all episode. Is that <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, uh, evangelistic is the is the kind of way you we tend to describe people who believe that you just want to get as many people as you can into the church, and it's about just spreading the word and making sure everyone knows the word, right? Well, but uh, like, I don't, I, I just, I want to push back on that as the motivator for evangelism, right? Because like evangelistic, like etymologically, I mean, for goodness sake, let's be pedantic about this, like is good newsing. And so it's actually, I've got good news that I think will make your life better. Um, and I suspect that the, so um, early rain church who were talked about in the Guardian piece, like I talked about as a, a part of the church that are caught up in the civil rights movement within China. Um, and certainly Christians in Hong Kong have been part of that. And, and I think that's a logical consequence of that same evangelism, which is actually like, hey, I, I've, there, there is this better way that I know of than the Chinese Communist Party and everything else. And, and so it's not about like a, how many people can we get saved. It's actually like if, if, you, if you have a better way to do life, I want to know about it. And, and I've, I've found a really good way and I want you to know about it. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I don't know. I, but, but, I would be interested in the utilitarianist. Well, I, see, I think the utilitarianist is, is actually possibly present as a tension within the Church of China between these um, uh, legitimate isn't the right word, but like the, the tolerated churches and the not tolerated churches. Because I, I, I wonder if the churches, the unofficial churches, would say that the official churches have compromised too much mm. for the utilitarian benefit of actually having a public presence and not being arrested. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I would... Um I, I I have a I have a dream at some point that we um, a dream in which all Americans sorry uh, I I have a dream in which podcast listenership skyrockets and some big philanthropist decides to pay us to go overseas and do interesting things and record podcasts about them and I would love to go to a church in China and um and I just, it's going to be fascinating but yeah it would be absolutely fascinating if, if you are yeah. listening and you're a multi-millionaire and would like to sponsor christian and buddhist bar to go on religious pilgrimages to various places around the world uh you can email that to christian buddhist bar at gmail.com absolutely and if you're a ph- philanthropist you might want to throw some money kevin mcleod's way yeah, because he should. does this wonderful music for us every week uh i'll see you next week jacob um have a good one i'll see you next week as well jamal unless we both get persecuted and arrested between now and then but i think we'll be right Well, you've made it past the final music. The credits have rolled. You heard Jamal's apology at the top of the show. So, Jacob, have you heard the time a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar? I haven't, actually. Do you know why? Because you didn't mention it. I didn't episode. mention it in the, in, the, in the episode. No, a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar um, and um, they, they found uh, a, a monk, uh, a, a Franciscan monk who had claimed to see the, the face of Jesus in a tub of margarine. Um and you know he was he was like oh this is it was you know it was amazing I, I saw Jesus it was great and they were like oh like like was there anything like special about the margarine and he was like no I, I I just I can't believe it's not Buddha I hope that was worth the wait it it wasn't I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll see you all next week bye. <laughs>